Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What do you get when you cross a ninja with a squid? Disappearing ink. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Curtiff Electric Network Studios in non-COVID, non-influenza central, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Tacy. Hello, Tacy, back from sabbatical. How are you? Hello, everyone. This is a show for people who have never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347... Ugh, she still won't say it. Poohhead. I thought about it. It's too infantile for you, isn't it? I'm too good for it. It's amazing. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or, well, at Weird Medicine. Uh, Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take anything you hear with a a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. You'd think after 17 years of doing this, I could do that a little bit better. 
but uh, I'm a little distracted because you look quite lovely today. Oh, stop. Oh, you do. Well, thank you. Quite lovely. feel like crap. Yeah, so we have uh, non-COVID, non-influenzal, COVID-like illness. Yes. And, uh, of course, when I got sick, I thought it was allergies, and I thought it was allergies when I had COVID. So I went, oh, shit, maybe it's COVID again. And I went and got tested, and they tested me for influenza A, influenza B, respiratory syncytial virus, and COVID-19, all negative. And then you started getting sick, so I knew it was communicable. Yep. And uh, I don't feel bad. I just, you know, nose. It's a very upper respiratory. And it must be very contagious because I am washing my hands. I'm PPEing up at work. And um, uh, who'd you give it to? I gave it to you. Oh, yes. Other than that. No, no, no. I don't okay. know, but I'm just saying. I, I'm taking all these precautions not to get COVID-19, and of course I did still get it, but I know why I got it. But um, you know, so this must be really communicable, and so a lot of the common colds are extremely communicable. We don't trace them. No. Nope. You know, so what we're hoping is this asshole virus will get to the point where we're no longer tracing it either. Now, I, I've talked about this on the show multiple times. Uh, a significant fraction of common colds are coronaviruses. And when those coronaviruses were new, they probably caused a global pandemic back then, too. And they tend to affect older people who have not been exposed to them worse. So that's why kids don't get it. Then they grow up, and then it's just a cold to them. Just like when you had respiratory syncytial virus, it was just a cold to you, but it almost killed our kid, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and that's sort of the opposite. But when um, uh, these things first came out, I think probably that was the case. But 10,000 years ago, who would notice a coronavirus pandemic when you're dealing with the plague of Justinian and you know cholera and diphtheria and stuff like that? I mean, it must have been hell to live. Yeah, exactly. You just lived in fear constantly of invisible things that could just kill you. Kill you at any time. We were watching, what show was that? 1883. 1883. And people were drinking water out of the river, not realizing that, you know, people upstream were had cholera and were shitting in the river. And, uh, you know, it must have been terrifying. You couldn't even drink water without worrying whether you're going to die or not. And just imagine trying to have a baby back then. And bandits. And then you get them bandits, bandits too. Bandits everywhere. You better watch out, them bandits are coming. It's a good show. It is a good, it's a really good show. With a really good Tennessee accent? I'm usually Can not a big, that? absolutely. I'm not a big frontier type person for TV shows, but this is a good one. And yeah, well, Faith Hill, I think she's from Tennessee, right? We should probably look that up. Um, Echo, where's Faith Hale from? <laughs> Mike Hale is from Dallas, Texas. Mike Hale, <laughs> I, it's not what I was asking. Okay. Faith Hill. Hill uh, Audrey Faith Hill McGraw is American. Okay, of course. And where was she born? Let's just get to that part. Let's where see. does she live now? I'm sure she lives in Nashville now. Yeah, I would assume so. So anyway, we'll try not to cough No, she was you. born in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Okay, well, anyway, but her southern accent is authentic. 
mm-hmm. and Tim McGraw's is pretty authentic. So it's not those sort of phony Maloney Southern accents that you get when you watch some of these shows. Yeah, it's, too too much. Yeah. Yeah, but we were very impressed with the fact that their accents sound right. But anyway. Just like our neighbors. That's right. That's right. So what were you going to what, what were you? <laughs> I was just going to say we're going to try not to cough on people too much. Yes, because, of course, that's an issue that you could catch it from us. No, I'm sure they just don't want to hear it. Well, Smart-ass. so, so my uh, thank you. Welcome. My point about how communicable this is, is this Omicron supposed to be insanely communicable. If you remember the original COVID-19, one person in a, an idealized population would infect about 2.4 people. That's called the R naught or the um, um, well, just the, you know, it's transmissibility. There's several other numbers, but it's we represent it as R sub zero. And uh, then Delta came along, and it was between five and seven. They're saying Omicron is twelve. Measles is, or no, I'm sorry, Omicron is ten. Measles is around twelve. So whatever I got was certainly more communicable than than original COVID. Probably more communicable than Delta because it took a real special circumstance for me to get it. We could have got it the night that we watched, um, oh. and just like that. That is true. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, sort of a, um, a a party like it was the last night of college exams, and everybody was going home. That is true. After graduation, everybody was kissing each other and all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, it, so we could have gotten. Don't it make it sound worse than it was, but it was insane. No, it was it, awesome. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Girl on girl action. No, stop. No, it was it was awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. It was stop. It and wasn't then, like that. And then we went to. A, it wasn't like that. And then we went to a basketball game. In the middle of a global pandemic, where. You know, there was a lot of yelling and shouting and stuff. So you can get it from those kinds of things. My friend Dan, who uh, I won't say what business he's in and don't say it, but he. I don't know who you're talking about. Is responsible for a large group of people in the Atlanta area. And they had a Christmas party. And about 10 of those people got it at their Christmas party. So anyway, it's still around. We don't we will know in about two weeks whether the stories about Omicron are true in that it is less uh, virulent or less deadly. So uh, the numbers are going to spike. Cases are not the issue. The issue are hospitalizations and death. And it's not even the absolute numbers. It's the relative numbers. So I was talking to Dave, our buddy Dave Landau today, and he said, I don't know what to believe because I hear different things. I said, well, here's why. If you want to say that the sky is falling, then you will quote the absolute number of cases. Well, we've had 100,000 cases a day, 200,000 cases a day. We're breaking records on cases. If you want to say this isn't that big of a deal, you will quote the relative numbers of people who are going to the hospital and dying, which at the worst of this was 5% hospitalizations, about 1% people dying. So you'll say, well, but it's only, you know, 5% of people, 95% of people do fine. So it, it, all, you're, it all depends on your bias going into this. If you're a sky is falling person, you will quote the absolute numbers. If you're a, this isn't such a big deal, 
then you will quote the um, relative risk numbers. And you really need to know both. Because here's why. If we get a huge spike from this Omicron, there will be more people going to the hospital. That doesn't mean it's more deadly or more uh, prone to severe disease. It just means that the numbers are huge. So if you have, for example, a thousand people and uh, it, you have a, a virus that has 10 percent in um, of people will end up in the hospital, well, you'll have uh, 100 people in the hospital, right? But if you have another virus that has 10,000 people but is only 1%, you know, you will have another, well, that'll be a, a hundred people again, right? And you'll look, oh, it's the same. It's not the same. It's 1% of people compared to 10% of people. And then if, if that same 1% becomes 100,000, well, now you've got 1,000 people in the hospital. It looks like, oh, gosh, we've got this huge spike in hospitalizations. But the, the relative numbers are still 1% compared to 10%. Does that make sense? Not really. No? But I heard a new theory this oh, morning. Okay. And this new theory is <clears throat> a friend of ours a has a friend of ours. Okay. A friend of ours has a friend of hers mm -hmm. who believes that, doesn't believe in vaccinations, but does believe. She doesn't believe they exist? No, doesn't believe in getting them. But okay. does believe well, then she's, that keeping you know. your gums clean mm. and using Listerine. <laughs> Come on. Will keep, keep you away from um, getting it. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, uh, wow, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. <laughs> Can you, like, shut up? Well, that's because you're an idiot. <laughs> well, that okay, well, anyway. All right, yeah, that's... um. I would like to see her double-blind placebo-controlled trial data on that. Yeah, I'm like, why not just the science? She goes, I don't know. So that was the end of that Well, you discussion. could do science on that. Listen, if someone had that hypothesis, you would do, a, we could do a study. You take a thousand people, you give them Listerine and whatever gum thing, you know, a water pick that you want to do. And you take a thousand other people and you match them. Okay, the same number of, let's do it all unvaccinated. That makes it easy. And see if there's a difference between the two. If there is a statistically significant difference in the Listerine group versus the placebo group, and it's hard to do a placebo with Listerine, but you could do it, um, then you can say, yeah, this actually has a net positive effect or a net negative effect. Maybe it makes people worse. But it, the most likely thing is it will be within statistical uh, uh, within the statistical error on both sides and there will be no effect whatsoever but you could do science on that yes on, on a separate note i used the water pick today oh yes and it worked oh good good yes, good, good good yes i used it the way you told me so uh, we have i i some people know that i got um invisalign because i'm planning on doing some tv after i uh, after i retire oh yeah that's right we'll do that one oops well shit <laughs> and I don't want to have this snaggle tooth in the front. It drives me crazy when I'm doing cameos for people. By the way, check out our cameo. Just search for Weird Medicine on Cameo. They're cheap. Um, after the first of the year, I'm going to go up. So if you want a cheap howdy-do and a fluids and secretions, my tagline is, I hope you have a year filled with 
fluids and secretions, but only those not tainted by chlamydia and gonorrhea. So is that, oh, that's nice. That a good tagline? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, but um, yeah. So and then check out our Patreon. Basically, our Patreon is what Tacey and I are doing now, but um, we are uh, doing uh, uh, short, relatively short shows, but they're filled with uh, with phone calls and stuff. So and, and no ads. And content. Yes, and hilarious content. Yeah, no, classic I mean, if content. You that, classic yeah. content. I found a show the other day that I was playing before we went live with the video feed. And I was listening to it. I said, this is actually pretty good. It was like number 20. And so it was different back then. We were a little bit more raucous. So uh, we're putting some of that up that can't be found anywhere else. And we're going to have some celebrity guests and some other stuff like that. So, all right. Okay. Okay. You want to answer some questions? Let's answer questions. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Nope. Thank you, Ronnie B. Especially these two. All right. Hi, Dr. Steve. Amen. John from Chicago. Hey, John. Hi, Dr. Scott. Tacey, if you're there. Uh, Basie's Besmoach. Or, fuck, I'm sorry. What? I fucked that up. Anyway, how you guys doing? Hope you're great. Uh, Thanks, man. Here's a random wise tale that I got told when I was a kid. Um, i since not doing this anymore, but uh, I was told by a certain family member uh, when I would be sick, you know, sometimes when you're sick, you got all that bile in your throat, and I would spit it out, and they would say, don't do that. You know, it's bad for you to do it. you, you got to swallow it. And I, like, was it, I'm wondering if his, the old wife he was talking to was Myrtle. <laughs> well, all that bile, you, you got to swallow it because the devil will come up and, you, and get you a haint in your ass, don't you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. but Give your body the ability to, I don't know, like take it in and put it in your stomach and you know uh, and I'm I, oh as I've gotten some years on me I'm like yeah that's stupid yeah, um, but I guess good. since that's kind of in the medical Give realm is there any <laughs> I don't know uh, basis for that nope. or is it more uh, I mean yeah if you're sick and you got bile in your throat spit it up cough it out get it out well when, when he says bile I wonder if he's really talking about bile because bile is fluid fluid that comes from the uh, bile duct which is created in the um, the the bile ducts the cannulae in the in the liver and it collects in the gallbladder and then when the body needs it because bile salts help in the digestion of fats when the body needs it the gallbladder contracts and then you get bile so you shouldn't really have it in your throat unless you're having emesis or vomiting. And uh, persistent vomiting, you can get bile reflux into the stomach, and then you can puke up bile. And it's usually seen as a yellowish-green green fluid. Um, and, by the way, if you eat certain foods that have certain blue food colorings in them those food colorings don't change in the stool and through digestion and the blue in the food coloring with the yellow in the bile will make these beautiful emerald green stools so if you ever have the most beautiful deep green <laughs> emerald colored stools it's probably because you ate booberry or something like that some or if you buy your kid um a birthday cake with blue icing yes yeah, exactly. Scares you to death. Yep. 
Well, I remember the first time Liam had one of those, I had fed him some kind of blue kid's yogurt. And then, you know, I'm changing his diaper, and then this is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it was a gorgeous shade of green, except it was a turd, you know, so gorgeous and turd usually doesn't. Our kid's poop is pretty. <laughs> I'm sorry, I popped my pee. Yeah, that she did. Thank you. How do you, like, you know, there's no point in being in there. Um, anyway, curious if uh, my family member is a dullard and uh, or if there is maybe some validity to it. Any no, they're not a dullard. They just made made something up. And uh, they just didn't want to see you spitting up vials, what it is. So they came up with that excuse because, you know, you have some kid. The kids are all snotty and gross and gooey. And then you're, you got this kid spitting up bile. Well, yeah, just tell them to swallow it. They're just trying to keep you... Uh, keep your behavior under control that's all <laughs> anyway yeah there really no physiologic reason for that if your body's trying to expel it that's doing it for a reason it's totally okay probably trying to keep themselves from getting sick well that's true they're like throwing Whoa. up from it yeah. that kid's spitting a bowel over there that's Whoa. disgusting <laughs> all right hi dr steve hey. today's episode is brought to you by angie Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, Dr. Scott. Hello. Hi, Casey. Hi, Hi everybody. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Excellent. This is John from Chicago. I've called before. Uh, love the show. Uh, question about, um, just general about rejection um, when it comes to organ transplants, things like that. So why, just in general, is it that the body can receive foreign things like blood and plasma yeah. and not reject that, um, and yet it, it takes in another kidney, even if the body needs it, and it says, no, I don't want this. Why, well, what's the, why is that going on? Or is yeah. there a, a minor amount of rejection going on even with blood, but it's just different? I don't know. Just Could you help explain that whole thing? Sure, absolutely. That's well, a great question. It is a great question. Um, I don't... Well, I'll give him one of those. Yeah. So there is a form of rejection when you do blood transplants. That's why we have to match people's blood to the donor. Uh, Tacey, what's your blood type? I don't know. Oh. 
Okay, well, if you <laughs> if you had someone that was type A and you tried to give them type B blood, it would coagulate in their um, in their bloodstream. And uh, Tacy is O negative, and I'm O positive. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. And therefore, she if she hadn't gotten Rogam after we had our first baby who was RH positive, she would have rejected all of the other babies that she had. She would have made antibodies against their their blood proteins. And uh, that's what happened to Anne Boleyn. That is why Anne Boleyn lost her head. She had Queen Elizabeth, and then every other kid after that died of what they call high drops. And that, that was just a, you know, a a baby whose mother had rejected it through their immune system. And so if um, she had not been RH negative, she probably, we never would have heard of the six wives of Henry VIII. You know, they, they would have, because he loved her. And they, if she had been able to give him a male heir, he would have stayed with her. According to Tudors, he really did love her. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. And we get all of our information from TV dramas. But, exactly. But, um, you know, history indicates that he loved her as well. So, uh, but she had, she was RH negative. He was RH positive. She had the first baby. The first baby's fine. And then when that blood mixes during delivery, that's when the mother gets sensitized to those um, RH positive proteins. And then <clears throat> the next thing you know, they will uh, have another RH positive baby inside their RH negative body and they'll reject it. So, uh, but if you'll match the those proteins on uh, blood, you don't have that. And there is, there's more to it. There's uh, different antigens and stuff that the blood banks will tell you. They've got to match lots of different things, but that's the basics of it. And those are pretty simple. The, the difference with organs is that um, the body is always looking for foreign bodies to kill. So if you get a foreign virus or any kind of foreign um, invader, the body's going to try to kill it if it can. And it has to recognize it as foreign. And so when you put a foreign heart into someone's body, there are these um, sugar proteins called HLA antigens. And those, those everyone's are mostly different. You can get people to match up, but uh, mine are different than yours. They're not quite as, um, as dense information-wise as, say, fingerprints are. But uh, the body the body's immune cells are always looking around saying, oh, this one's fine, this is us. It's like friend or foe. And, and, and it, they're constantly surveying those HLA uh, indicators on the surface of these cells going, friend, 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 you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Wait, who the, who the hell are you? And they don't even ask questions. They just attack. And so you have to suppress those cells in someone, unless you have your identical twin donate a heart to you, it's very difficult to find a perfectly matching donor. So they'll have to give you medication to suppress those cells from attacking foreign antigens. Now, when it comes to cancer, it, it's the same sort of issue as those cells are always looking for foreign cells to kill. 
and they're going friend, friend, friend. And a cancer that's successful in growing is one that will express those friend antigens on its surface. So the uh, T cells that are monitoring for that will just pass them right by. And that's why cancer can grow. And so what we're trying to learn how to do is to teach the T cells to kill only the cancer cells and leave everything else alone. So ultimately, cancer therapy is going to be an immunologic problem. It's not going to be a chemotherapeutic problem. We will use immunology to cure cancer in the future. That's cool. Does that make sense? I explain that in a way that makes sense. Mm. God damn it. Because you're my audience, you know? All right. Yeah, but you talk a lot. <laughs> hey, Dr. Steve, and also Dr. Scott, this is a question for you, too. I had COVID in July of 2020. I got a fever about nine days. Took me about two weeks to feel back to normal. But during that time period, I also lost my sense of smell and taste. Hmm. Now, it gradually came back. However, there are certain things that have been affected 100% differently since then. Wine and oranges and citrus stuff don't taste the same to me. They don't taste as good to me any longer. I was a bit of a wine snob type of person and no longer. It all tastes kind of mediocre to me now. Interesting. Um, the smell of feces or human waste of any kind um, doesn't smell as bad as it used to. However, well, wait, why are you complaining about that? <laughs> I mean, if 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 I could have a virus and it made all shit smell like flowers, I would think that that was a net plus. And now uh, I can drink kind of cheap wine. Yeah, that's right, because it doesn't make any difference. Like raw onions and raw garlic to me now. I'm Italian and I've always loved cooking with garlic. Yeah. And now the smell of it is not pleasant to me anymore. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't really heard anybody else talking about this. And I was wondering if you had any insight, or if Dr. Scott perhaps has any ideas of some Eastern medicine he probably or does. herbs that I could potentially do to uh, astragalus. That'll yeah, be that's Dr. What Scott's I was answer. Say. <laughs> <laughs> Help the situation because uh, I don't like it. Okay. Well, one thing you could consider emailing Dr. Scott. Go to simplyherbals.net and see if he has any of his uh, nasal spray left. It had a nasal anti-inflammatory in it, uh, which is basically peppermint oil. And I'm not going to say that it will help, but hell, you know, what else has helped? And it may not hurt anything to re-stimulate those olfactory cells with a uh, little peppermint oil anyway. And um, because the what you have is called parosmia. Now, there's anosmia. That's a complete loss of smell. So an being the Greek from the Sanskrit, not, and then osmia, meaning smelling, or, you know, os is related to sense of smell. So anosmia would be inability to smell anything. And then there's parosmia, which, you know, points to a distortion in your sense of smell. Then there is phantosmia. Can you think of what that would be, Tase? Nope. Oh, you could just think phantasmia, the phantom, the phantom smell. See? Oh, okay. Uh, olfactory hallucinations. Okay. 
those are also associated with COVID-19, and um, it may be due to actual viral damage to the olfactory nerves themselves. There are a cluster of nerves in the top of the nose near this thing called the ethmoid plate, and they hang down. And they're very complicated uh, chemical sensors. And depending on how you it, you um, uh, stimulate them, you'll have different. You'll perceive that as different smells. And remember, everything that you perceive in this world. Well, this is going to be sound circular, but it's just perception. Everything that you smell is a creation inside your brain. So if you change the way that the nerves act and send signals to the brain, it's going to change how you perceive smell. And uh, when I had COVID, I used nasal uh, steroids, a.k.a. Flonase, and I used it from day one. And I never had any. So you think that helped? I'm an N of one in this clinical study, but I've looked at some other clinical studies that said that they thought that it helped as well. I had no loss of smell, no parosmia, no anosmia, nothing. Um, so I'm counseling people that when they get COVID-19 to start using the Flonase and see if that helps prevent that, because it is irritating. This guy was a, a wine connoisseur, maybe a sommelier, maybe a master sommelier. Now it's taken that enjoyment away from him. As you said, you're more uh, practical. Yeah, now you can just drink shit wine and you won't be able to tell the difference. But the garlic thing and being Italian and yeah. like, and that sucks. Sure. The whole thing sucks. Yeah. Now, will it come back? It may come back. It may take uh, 12, 12 months. And, well, he uh, had it in like June or July of 20. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Oof. Well, I'm looking at some data here. It said 90 to 96% of patients, depending on the study, will experience at least some recovery of function within 30 days. They plateau over time with some studies reporting small gains out to 12 months. Now, it's just not COVID-19 that does this. There's non-COVID-19 post-viral smell loss. And the number of people who recover estimated to be about 60 to 65% in, in those. And... Uh, Patients with COVID-19 related smell loss, about 35% don't recover in three weeks. So if you look at all of that, um, you know, maybe 60 to 70% will recover. They don't know what degree they'll recover. This is still too new. We just don't know. But um, a couple of the studies that I looked at did seem to affirm that using nasal steroids early in the course of the illness may help prevent this. So I'm just re recommending that because I don't think that there's any harm it will do to anybody. Okay. All right. I would certainly try it. Yeah. So sorry, man. Uh, that's a tough one. And I guess, I mean, it's easy for me to say, well, just be glad you didn't lose everything. But sometimes losing part of something is worse than losing all of yeah. it. Although I have lost my sense of smell before. I had a viral illness where I completely lost all smell and all taste. And it sucked because you couldn't tell if something was rotten. And that was what I was thinking about the whole time. I can't tell if the sandwich is rotten. I can't tell if anything I eat is actually good. And I think that part of the reason that we evolved a sense of taste is so that we could tell when things are bad for us or they're, or they're rotten. I couldn't do that. And it was very disconcerting. Anyway, all right. Let's take one more and we'll get out of here. 
Hey, Dr. Steve and Dr. Scott. This is Mike in Pennsylvania. How are you? Good, good. How good, are you? Good, good. Uh, so, is long COVID bullshit? It just seems <laughs> like any news of variants possibly being more mild and not as big of a deal to get. All the so-called experts say, yeah, but we still don't know about long COVID yet. Is this just a scare tactic so we don't let our guard down, or is there, is there any actual data? Data, not just complaints right. from hypochondriacs on the internet <laughs> who have made it to new identity to be COVID long haulers or whatever. Right. And if it's not bullshit, then what's unique about COVID to cause this, or are we just ignoring tons of long-term health effects of other viruses people have had and recovered from? So it's like every ailment, the manifestation of some virus we had a long, long time ago, um, Thanks. Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too, man. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, there is some data. I'm looking at uh, PLOS Medicine. This is an open access journal. It's a decent one. It's open access. It's peer-reviewed. This is Incidents, Co-Occurrence, and Evolution of Long COVID Features, a six-month retrospective cohort study of 273,000 survivors of COVID-19. And so they did a retrospective cohort study. This is not great data. This is just where you take their chart after it's all done. You go back and try to mine it for data. And uh, they looked at 81 million patients, including 273,000 COVID-19 survivors. And uh, they looked at uh, nine core features of long COVID, which would be breathing difficulties, breathlessness, fatigue, malaise, chest or throat pain, headache, abdominal symptoms, myalgias or other pain, or cognitive symptoms, in other words, post-COVID foggy brain syndrome, not a Which real syndrome. Which you had that. I, I did have that, yeah. yeah. I think I still do have it. I'm not as sharp as I was on this show, particularly I can tell a little bit. Um, some people may be able to tell a lot. Anxiety and depression as well. So um, the co-occurrence network was also analyzed and Paired it with some other stuff, and what they found was uh, 57% had one or more long COVID feature. Well, that tells me if more than half of people had something like that, that that's just normal, right? And uh, 33 or 36% had symptoms between three and six months, and the incidence of each feature was abnormal breathing. That's about 18%. Um, fatigue, malaise, 12% chest or throat pain, 12%, headache, 8%, uh, abdominal symptoms, 15%, myalgias, that's muscle aches and pains, 3%, cognitive symptoms, 8%, anxiety and depression, 23%. Now, can you say that that was due to the virus or the virus? You know, was it your infection or was it just that we're dealing with this shit? Maybe. I'd be surprised it's only 22%. I mean, seriously, don't you think that the incidence of depression in the general population after two years of this crap is greater than 22%? Wouldn't you think? I would. Okay, so maybe COVID is protective. It's <laughs> maybe ridiculous. It, maybe it cures people's depression because 22% seems pretty low to me. So all of these features were more frequently reported after COVID-19 than after influenza. But you do get them after influenza. And the hazard ratio is like 1.4%. So it's a 40% more chance of having long-haul symptoms with COVID than with influenza. That's basically what that means. So, yeah. Now, so it's been described 
And there is some data. It has not been well categorized, nor has it been well doped out, in my opinion, because we don't. For a while there, they were saying, yeah, if you get a COVID vaccine after you've had it, it makes your long COVID symptoms better. And there's some evidence that that's the case. But I haven't seen anything uh, wonderfully conclusive on that either. So it's not bullshit. There's something there. But it's not just associated with COVID-19 either. Almost nothing about this virus is only associated with it. It's just that it sucks more than it does for other things. Agreed. You know, loss of taste. I've had that. I had that 20 years before COVID. Um, and I, re- But thankfully, I recovered. Um, it, you know, fogginess, not, not solely associated with COVID-19. Uh, all these long COVID symptoms also associated with influenza. Things like Guillain-Barre that, that are associated with influenza vaccine are also associated with influenza. The, the, the thing that causes influenza or causes Guillain-Barre, which is ascending neuritis, that's when people get weak in their feet, then their knees, then their hips. Then if it ascends up into their chest, they have, tr- they have difficulty breathing. Some of them end up on the ventilator. Can be caused by vaccines, absolutely, but can also be caused by the viruses that the vaccine is trying to prevent. So it's it's basically the body's immune response to those things that causes the Guillain-Barre, and it's just host-dependent. In other words, it just some people it'll happen to them and other people not. Fortunately, it's a vast minority of people. Anyway, so what do you want to talk about? Um, I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of this shit. How was it that we, every damn thing was COVID? Well, no, it wasn't. Two things were COVID related. That's not so bad. One thing was poop related. Yeah, I like the poop related Two stuff. Things. Two things. Yeah. What was the other poop the related thing? The guy's poop didn't smell as bad. Oh, true. Okay, and right, right. Peripherally. Pretty green, emerald green poop. There you go. Yeah. All right. You have anything you want to talk about? No. Are you going to, um, am I going to get lucky tonight because we're both drinking? Mm. If you don't mind getting coughed on, maybe. Oh, I don't care about that. Guys don't (laughs) care about that. That's disgusting. But if you mean uh, by if, the correct answer is if by lucky uh, you mean uh, me ordering you a pizza, then yes. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, listen, we can't. Thanks, Taste, for being here. And uh, catch us over on the Patreon side. It's really fun over there. It's patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Louis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy, 1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Horror Taste, oh. the Saratoga Skank, and the Florida Floozy. Can you believe that Holly called me and said, well, now, who's the Florida Floozy? It's like, you, you it's you, you idiot. <laughs> She's also the... Port Charlotte whore and the Saratoga skank. Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Robert, she who owns pigs and snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Christopher Watkins Double, a.k.a. Steve Tucci, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Cardiff Electric, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, the inimitable. Vincent Paulino, everyone. Eric Zane, Bernie and Sid, Martha uh, from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and of course our dear departed friend, Frez Watley. 
who's supported this show has never gone unappreciated. Remember GVAC. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand at other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week Happy for the New next Year. edition of Weird Medicine. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you, Tacey.